Ever since 2001, the second Sunday of the Easter season has been officially known as Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, it was celebrated as such by many people before that, but it became official in 2001. John Paul II made it so. Most of us in this church are familiar with the origin of this day and the origin of the Divine Mercy devotion, but for the few who might not be. Back in the year 1931, a young nun, Sister Faustina Kowalska, saw a vision of Jesus with two rays of light coming out of his heart. And Jesus told her to have a painting produced replicating this vision and to have it signed, Jesus, I trust in you. Most of us have seen that image on holy cards and other places. It's a very common image these days, a beautiful image. Over the next seven years, the Lord gave Sister Faustina, now Saint Faustina, she was canonized a few years ago, he gave her a number of private revelations concerning his love, concerning his great mercy. And he told her to record these in a diary. Some of you have read at least part of that book. Some of you may have read the whole thing. It's a rather lengthy work. Father George Kosicki, who's an authority on the Divine Mercy devotion, you've seen him before on EWTN, Father Kosicki has said that through these many revelations, quote, Jesus taught the young nun, Faustina, that his mercy is unlimited and available even to the greatest sinners. Now that's a beautiful message. And we all like that message when we apply it to ourselves. We're very happy to hear, for example, that our God is infinitely merciful and that through the blood of his son Jesus Christ we personally have access to that mercy. We rejoice, we are thankful, we are happy when we're told that our loving God can forgive and that he will forgive every sin we commit, even the most severe, even the most embarrassing, even the most habitual, you know, those sins we commit over and over and over again. We all have those sins in our lives. God will forgive it all if we simply repent and go to him, especially in the sacrament of reconciliation. That's his beautiful mercy. As we heard in today's gospel text from John 20, Jesus gave his apostles the power to extend this mercy to pass it on to people, to all sinners, every sinner. When he appeared to them on Easter Sunday and he said to them, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. By the way, that's where confession comes from. The mandate is there in Scripture. When your Protestant friends say to you, where's confession in the Bible? Where's this power given to men to forgive sins? Right there, Easter Sunday, the first thing that Jesus did after rising from the dead, he gave this gift to his priests for his people so that his mercy would go forth. Now, all of that is nice. 
That's wonderful. It's very comforting. It's comforting for me to know that I have access to that mercy of God whenever I need it. And I do a lot. But you see, it's really only half the story. Yes, it's true. God will give his mercy to each of us as much as we need. He'll give it to us as often as we need it if we repent and if we ask. But at the very same time, God expects us to be willing to show his mercy to other people. And that's not an option, that's a requirement. I just came across this the other day. I was reading through Faustina's diary. And one of the things that Jesus said to her was this, and here I quote, he said, I demand from you deeds of mercy, which are to arise out of your love for me. You are to show mercy to your neighbors always and everywhere. You must not shrink from this or try to excuse or absolve yourself from it. Notice Jesus did not say, Faustina, I ask you to be merciful. He doesn't say here, Faustina, it would be really nice if you were merciful every once in a while. Jesus said to her, I demand that you be merciful. I mention this today because I meet Catholics all the time, some of them practicing Catholics who would not think of missing Sunday Mass. I meet these people and even though they're practicing their faith on one level, they are also holding grudges. Big time grudges against their co-workers, against their acquaintances, and sometimes, sad to say, even against members of their own families. And worst of all, they don't have any desire to change. None whatsoever. In fact, they don't have any desire even to try to change. I hope that doesn't describe anyone here in the congregation this afternoon. But if it does describe you, then all I can say is, we'll pray for you. We will pray that your heart will eventually be softened on this issue. I'd love to be able to force you to be merciful, but I can't. No one can force you to be merciful to another human being. For the rest of you, especially for the people here who may have ill feelings right now toward other people, but who really want things to get better, if that's you, then listen to this important word from the Lord that came to St. Faustina. Again, in one of her private revelations, Jesus said this to her. He said, I am giving you three ways of exercising mercy toward your neighbor. The first, by deed. The second, by word. The third, by prayer. In these three degrees is contained the fullness of mercy. And it is an unquestionable proof of your love for me. Loving deeds, 
combined with reconciling words and sincere prayers bring God's mercy to other people through us. And that's so important. So here we have a practical formula to follow from Jesus through Faustina to show us and to help us to be merciful even to our enemies. Now let me offer my suggestion in this regard. My, my personal suggestion in this matter is to start off with number three on Jesus' list. <laughs> Especially if the person in question has really hurt you deeply. Jesus mentions deeds there first. But I think performing loving, kind deeds for another person that you're really having a difficulty with can be extremely hard if, if they've wounded you deeply. So I think it's best to begin with number three, which is prayer. And that, of course, is exactly what Jesus was getting at in Matthew 5, in that famous text from the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, love your enemies and pray for your persecutors. But how exactly do you do that? How do you pray for the people that you don't like very much? How do you pray for people who have wounded you deeply? What do you say to God? Well, really, I think it's simple. First of all, you pray that God's will will be accomplished in that person's life. Dear Lord, you know I'm having a problem with so-and-so. You know I don't particularly like him a lot, but you love him, and you have a plan for his life. So I ask you, your will be done for him. You know, that's the best prayer to pray for anybody. Be, there, be they your worst enemy on earth, or your best friend on earth. Lord, may your will be done in his or her life. And then secondly, pray that the person become a saint. Lord, make Joe a saint. It's that simple. But make sure you do it sincerely. <laughs> I mean, we can just mouth words when we pray. It's got to be somewhat sincere. And you know what, my brothers and sisters, if that prayer is answered and Joe becomes a saint or whoever your enemy is, you're going to directly benefit from it. Because if your enemy becomes holy and becomes a saint, He's going to recognize whatever sins he's committed in his life against you. And he's going to repent of those sins. He might even come and ask for your forgiveness. But let me tell you this, even if he never does that, by praying for him sincerely, you'll be doing yourself a really big favor by keeping hatred out of your heart. A lot of people forget Hatred is a mortal sin. In fact, St. John in the Bible compares hatred to murder. 1 John 3.15 reads as follows, Anyone who hates his brother, and he's talking here about real deep hate, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that eternal life abides in no murderer's heart. Now, those aren't my words. Don't blame Father Ray for saying that. <laughs> that's St. John. That's the Bible. But you see, you can't hate somebody, really, if you're praying for them sincerely. 
So by praying for your enemies, you're really blessing yourself and the other person. So start off with prayer. Begin by extending God's mercy in that way. Eventually, you'll be able to move on to words, which is the second way of exercising mercy according to Jesus' revelation to Faustina. And those words can be either verbal or written. On that note, I, I know of a young woman who recently had a big falling out with her father. It was really bad. It was not pretty. It was one of those real ugly falling outs. Well, at this point, I know that she wants to reach out to her dad. She wants to talk with him. She wants to be reconciled with him. But she really doesn't think that he's ready to communicate yet face to face. So she plans on writing him a letter as a first step. In her case, I think that's the right approach. Hopefully the letter will soften his heart and make him a bit more open to a face to face conversation. Then the deeds will come for her and for all of us in similar situations. Those deeds of kindness, those deeds of mercy that were first on Jesus' list of Faustina. Now, you can always do good deeds for people. But ordinarily, I think, especially when you're dealing with an enemy, they are most effective after prayer and after conversation. In some sense, deeds of mercy fulfill the prayers that you've said for the person and they put into action the reconciling words you've spoken to the person. Jesus said, I am giving you three ways of exercising mercy toward your neighbor. The first by deed, the second by word, the third by prayer. In these three degrees is contained the fullness of mercy. And it is an unquestionable proof of your love for me. May the grace of Almighty God, which comes to us in a special way through the Holy Eucharist, help us to do all three of those things, at least eventually. And let me say one final word now to those among us who have absolutely positively no interest in showing mercy to the troublesome souls in their lives. A word of advice. You might want to stop praying the Lord's Prayer. Just a suggestion. I say that because in the Our Father, we say the words, Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Another way to phrase that line is as follows. Dear Lord, show me mercy only to the extent that I'm willing to show mercy to others. But you see, if you're unwilling to be merciful and to forgive, then every single time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're actually telling Almighty God, Dear Lord, please do not forgive me.
Please, 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 Heavenly Father, do not show me any mercy whatsoever. And that's not really a good prayer to say. I definitely don't advise it. A much better one is, Dear Lord, soften my heart so that I will want to be merciful from now on. Or at least so that I will want to try to be merciful. Amen.